We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to the Jenna Ellis Show, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is the Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis. Precious Metals is the company that I trust to give you good and patient counsel for investing in your retirement. The Biden administration has caused a financial crisis and they have no clue how to fix it. Oil prices have skyrocketed. And when oil prices go up, not only do your expenses go up, but the cost of transportation and shipping spikes, leading the prices of goods to rise. And when and we are already seeing record inflation. That's the last thing that we need. Our economy is in trouble and you need to take steps to protect yourself. If all your money is tied up in stocks, bonds, and traditional markets, you may be vulnerable. So gold is one of the very best ways to protect your retirement. No matter what happens, you own your own gold. It's real, it's physical, and it's always been valuable since the dawn of time. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-528-1903 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com where you can download the free investor's guide. You can also go to my Facebook page, Jenna Ellis. I am a public figure on Facebook, and I just posted yesterday a really great interview with the president of Legacy Precious Metals, who is discussing why you need to start your retirement account, even if you're in your 20s or 30s. There is always a great time to protect your retirement and invest just like you want to protect your health over the long term. So go to Legacy Precious Metals at LegacyPMInvestments.com or call 866-528-1903. Happy Monday, friends, and welcome back to The Jenna Ellis Show. I'm Jenna Ellis. It's so great to be back with you this week. If you missed Aubrey Shines, who was the guest host last week, he did such a phenomenal job, and I really enjoyed listening to those shows. And um, I am actually still traveling. You may hear a little bit of elevator music in the background, but you know what? That's how we do this show because... I am always on the ground places, you know, looking for uh, the best stories, getting to um, meet a lot of people at different conferences, all of those things, uh, but always great to be with you on the show. So today, everybody is talking still about Ukraine. They're talking about Biden. They're talking about all of these other things that the media wants to distract you with. And what they're not really focused on at all are the Supreme Court confirmation hearings that are going on in the Senate right now. And if you look on Twitter today, the only thing that has trended all day with that is calling out Senator Josh Hawley for simply asking the Biden nominee, uh, Judge Jackson, who is looking to replace Justice Breyer. He all he asked her was about her past opinion history. That is completely valid. In fact, that's what 
the Senate is supposed to do. They are supposed to ask questions during the confirmation process that will elicit responses from the nominees to see will they be faithful to the Constitution? Will they do their job correctly? Will they be an activist? Do they have preconceived uh, opinions of their own where political policy will potentially shape their opinions versus applying the U.S. Constitution and the rule of law appropriately in every case, regardless of whether they were nominated by a Republican, a Democrat, whatever their past history is. And so, of course, you all know that um, I'm a constitutional law advocate and I advocate for the rule of law. Of course, I have a lot of opinions that we've discussed on the show for policy positions, all kinds of things. And absolutely, it is okay for a Supreme Court nominee to have an opinion that is in line with the Constitution. And for example, I would be perfectly fine if a sitting justice uh, nominee said, I believe that the Constitution very clearly protects life. And so Roe versus Wade should be overturned because that was a wrongly decided opinion according to the US Constitution. None of them will do that, even conservative nominees, because it's such a political hot button. So things like that that are obviously constitutionally appropriate and describing the justices understanding of what the constitution actually provides for the fact that the constitution is our mechanism in our system of government to preserve and protect our rights and that this system that was so brilliantly designed by our founders is very clear in terms of what power it gives to the federal government uh, the Ninth and Tenth Amendment uh, talk about all power that is not given specifically to the federal government is reserved to the states or to the people. And it doesn't mean that every other power then the states can arbitrarily decide to legislate on. Uh, so those types of conversations aren't even really opinions. They're more the understanding and the philosophy of where a justice's perspective would come from. But that's not how these confirmations work. And notice how nobody's really talking about this in media. You may have not even known until you tuned into this program today that these, this confirmation hearing is even going on. Well, why is that? Because with every single one of President Trump's three nominees, it was the biggest news wall-to-wall -wall coverage on every major network everywhere, talking about how terrible his nominees were and highlighting all of the uh, so-called bad behavior of all of the nominees, why they weren't qualified, um, you know, the nuclear option that put in Justice Gorsuch, and then, of course, the Kavanaugh disaster that, um, you know, I lived for a solid two months doing a lot of media in support of Kavanaugh's confirmation and just talking about how ridiculous this whole entire uh, Senate confirmation process was that was just trying to bully him into giving up, basically. And President Trump stood very firm and said, this is my uh, nominee. And he did not withdraw that nomination. And any other president, I'm convinced, uh, would have withdrawn the nomination in the face of that much intensity that was so incredibly negative. So we saw the wall-to-wall -wall coverage with every one of President Trump's nominees. But then you look at Biden's nominee, who has some serious, uh, serious questions as to whether or not she is genuinely qualified in an Article 3 sense, not whether I like her as a nominee, not whether um, I would have chosen her if I were 
uh, President Biden, but whether or not she will be faithful to the office for which she was nominated. And we don't see the wall-to-wall coverage. We only see the condemnation of the conservatives who are trying to actually elicit genuine responses. Um, So why is that? Well, of course, because the media shapes what they want you to pay attention to, what they want you to think, how they want you to analyze certain things. And so what is newsworthy is not necessarily what is actually newsworthy, but what legacy and cable media choose to tell you is newsworthy. And they're trying to tell you and shape the conversation in a way that if you don't agree with that, well, you're racist, you're sexist, you're you know, just against um, this wonderfully qualified person that literally just on the basis of being a black woman that qualifies her, right? Well, there's a lot more to it than that. And for this particular nominee, there are a lot of questions that really need to be asked. And while it's absolutely true that um, in the past, a lot of nominees were confirmed by a very high and very significant margin. Um, you know, I mean, in the high 90s, high 80s of yes votes, the uh, the confirmation process has gotten so political and it's gotten so partisan. And that's not the intent in the Constitution of the Senate providing advice and consent. They have to consent. Now, what does that look like? Well, that's up to the Senate how they want to provide their consent. There's not a specific constitutional mechanism under Article 3 that requires the Senate to provide their consent in some particular format. This is why when you look at the partisan politics of the nuclear option saying, well, it used to be that the Senate had to reach a threshold of 60 votes and that supermajority in order to confirm, well, the the Senate can change its own rules and say, you know, we're now going with a simple majority, Um, you know, 50 plus one, we we want to to go ahead and have that be the way that we provide our consent. That is not unconstitutional. Now, whether it's hypocritical or it's good policy or it's partisan or any of those things that are within the context of the political branch that is the legislature, which of course includes the Senate, Well, those are conversations that are worth having, but we need to remember that when we're looking at what the Senate's actual function is and why this matters to the context of the Constitution, we have to remain faithful conservatives and understand that this isn't about politics. It's not about a Democrat versus a Republican nominee. It's about making sure that this person who is going to be appointed for life to the highest court in the land will be faithful to uphold their oath of office. And the reason that the Senate in the Constitution was given uh, the power and the ability to provide advice and consent is because originally before we had Amendment 17 and had uh, the Senate, the the U.S. Senators who were popularly voted um, into office by the people of the state, the Senate was originally comprised federally to actually represent the will of the state legislatures. And the state legislatures, of course, were uh, were voted into office and elected by the people in their state. But this, the state legislature needed to have a voice as well. And so you see so many um, just ridiculous, ridiculous views and opinions out there, like from Joy Reid on FCC tweeted this whole thing that was like, look at the population of this state versus that state. And both of them have two senators. This is such, this is not democracy. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Have you ever actually bothered to understand the American system? Of course, it's not democracy. It's not meant to be. The Senate 
is supposed to have equal representation for every individual state in the union. And then representation based on population is given to the House. So we have this bicameral legislature that is supposed to function as a constitutional republic and a representative republic, not straight direct democracy. But that's where the left just wants to bully this into a simple majority. But then when it comes to the Senate, of course, and in the in the context of a confirmation hearing, of course, they don't want to understand and they want to intentionally misinterpret the function of the Senate and the function of these confirmation hearings. And frankly, a lot of Republicans also use these confirmation hearings to score political points. Now that they're televised, they'll take cheap shots or they'll do the thing that'll just trend on Twitter. Or it's, it's a little, you know, fiery clip. And that wasn't the original intent either. So for the Senate, it is supposed to function as the representation of the will of the state legislatures. And I am all for repealing the 17th Amendment and going back to that original design. And of course, we can amend the U.S. Constitution and we can change uh, political power. We can change the, the composition of our government. We can do a lot of different things. And we've amended our Constitution, our federal Constitution, 27 times in our nation's history. So obviously we can do that. But whether or not we should and whether it's a really good policy is a very different question. And so now that U.S. senators are popularly elected from their states, they're so removed and detached from the will of their state legislatures. You almost hear nothing in national media about state level leaders other than governors, you know, maybe some attorneys general uh, because they're litigating a, a case that has national implications, like in front of the Supreme Court, like we've talked about the Dobbs uh, decision that will be handed down on the abortion issue. You know, some of those things that then highlight uh, the executive branch of the state. But you almost never hear about state legislatures in the national media. Why? Well, because the national media doesn't think that it's newsworthy. And they also don't think that the state legislatures have as much power and authority as they actually do under our federalist system. And so when you have this complete removal of the U.S. senators that are only accountable at best to a majority will of their individual constituencies in the state, then they're not talking to the state legislatures. They're not saying, how does uh, our state think about this? Who would we want to, uh, to be appointed to the U.S. Supreme Court for life, which is supposed to be the non-political branch? And do we think that this nominee will be effective to the office as it was created and designed not to become the third political branch? So there's a lot of problems already in terms of not only our understanding of how the confirmation process is supposed to work, how the media completely either misinterprets it or they tell you it's not even newsworthy. I mean, right now, the national media, they're basically only talking about Judge Jackson to praise her and to shape how you think of her or they're just silent on it. And they're focusing on all kinds of other distractions, all kinds of other issues, and they don't even wanna talk about it so that she can just sail right through and we will get another activist on the court. That is the exact reason that Justice Breyer stepped down so that a Democrat administration would appoint his replacement because they learned their lesson, of course, with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who passed away while in office and President Trump was allowed to um, through his power, he then was uh, able to nominate her replacement.
So of course, who is Amy Coney Barrett? Um, so we need to be paying attention very, very carefully to not only what the mainstream media is telling us is newsworthy, but make sure that we are not just simply accepting that what they say is newsworthy is actually what we need to be paying attention to. We need to go out and look at other sources. I mean, that's why I love having this podcast. I love having these conversations because there are so many other things that are going on in the world and especially in U.S. politics, especially on the state level, that really matter. There are so many elections right now, like when we talk about election integrity. Um, there are so many things now, now that the state legislative sessions have basically concluded for 2022 in, um, I think, almost all states, um, or, or at least soon. Uh, Colorado is, is usually early May, so in most states at least. Um, the state legislatures have done kind of a good job in some states. They haven't been as uh, forthright as I would have preferred. But now looking at November, uh, coming into November, there are very specific, important races that will, uh, will elect governors, secretaries of state, attorneys general that are so important that the national media isn't paying attention to because they don't want to. And they don't want you to know that in those key states like Arizona, Pennsylvania, Georgia, um, all of these swing states, um, even Ohio with their Senate race, right, that's so contentious right now, um, they don't want you to pay attention to those races because that's not going to benefit the left. But we need to be paying attention to that and knowing as Americans, as conservatives, as good citizens, where we need to be focused, where we need to be putting our effort, our attention, our funding if we can, our energy, our volunteer hours, all of those things to participate in civil government that is going to actually make a difference. And right now when we're looking at 2022 coming up, and I'm going to talk this week with um, a few other guests that I think you'll enjoy on uh, you know, what's, what's coming for 2022, we need to be focused on helping those races. And today we need to be focused on what is Judge Jackson actually saying? What is her history? Not a lot of people know much about her. And, you know, we knew from the get-go that Brett Kavanaugh liked ketchup on his rice or ketchup on noodles or something like completely benign and stupid like that. How come we don't know anything about Judge Jackson? It's because the mainstream media doesn't want you to know. So the assignment today, after listening to the show, is that you should be doing some research and you should be looking at what you think about her qualifications. And it doesn't matter to me that she's a woman, that she's black. I don't care about any of those identity politics. Anything, and, and I don't care that she is either. I'm not opposed to any person of whatever background being appointed to a position like the Supreme Court. What matters to me is whether they will do the job that is actually the job under the Constitution and fits that description, or whether they will be an activist. That's what ultimately matters. Can they do the function of the job without being political in a way that is actually adverse and contrary to the original design and intent of the U.S. Constitution? Will they be a good justice? So you should make up your own mind about what you think about Judge Jackson. And don't just read everybody else's opinions. Uh, go look at her history. There are uh, definitely sites, you know, the SCOTUS blog is a great site to learn um, you know, about a lot of different opinions of all of the justices, but you can also look at her history on the DC 
uh, the DC court and to see some of her opinions that are published, um, go and look and you know, obviously not everybody has time to do this super, super substantively, but at least go to sources that you trust and respect and say, what really is the truth about Judge Jackson? And you know what? You may like her or you may think, hey, these are some questions that really need to be asked. Email your senators. If people are on the Judiciary Committee, tell them, ask these questions because they do represent the will of the people. And ultimately, this is going to affect you because it's one vote out of nine on the highest court in the land. So let me know what you think about Judge Jackson. We're going to keep following her confirmation uh, hearings throughout this week for as long as they last. Um, It'll be interesting to see what the final vote is because, of course, a lot of the Republicans are very spineless and they don't want to uh, vote no, even if they have a good reason for it, just because it's a black woman. And so they don't want to be called racist or misogynist or whatever. Again, I couldn't care less. And they need to have a spine and actually uh, go with what is their job capacity, which is to provide advice and either provide consent or not. Um, but let your let your senators know what you think, because when it goes to um, the entire Senate, that's going to matter. And I have no doubt, honestly, my prediction right now is she's going to sell right through. She'll be confirmed and it'll be a much higher margin uh, than any of Trump's <laughs> Trump's justices. And uh, it's, it's going to just be kind of a non-event and she's going to sail through. People aren't going to say anything. And uh, we will see then how she ends up uh, making opinions and decisions on some really critical issues. So we need to also be praying for this. Um, but this week, learn about Judge Jackson, because that's a name I think that you're going to be hearing for the next, you know, 20, 30 years, because um, I am predicting that she will very easily sail through and the media is not going to cover it at all. Um, they already aren't in the same way as uh, Trump's nominees, which is just simply the media doing the job of biased journalism that is not actually journalism, it's activism. So I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a great Monday and I will see you soon.